Well, hello everyone, I'm your host, Colton Prater, and this is the Fires of Rival Podcast, and as always, I'm honored that you would take the time to listen to today's episode. And for today's episode, I have a special guest, my good friend, Pastor Ronnie Brown, and I'll be interviewing him and talking about his salvation testimony and answering the call to preach and uh, bivocational ministry, something that is very special to his heart, and we'll be talking about podcasts as well. He is actually the host of many different podcasts, and we'll talk about it on the podcast and things here in the interview. But his most famous podcast that I'm sure many of you listening know about is The Forgotten Podcast, and I would encourage you to check it out and listen to it. There's over 40 episodes of encouraging stories and encouraging testimonies of Christians of the past and their stories and things. And I would encourage you to go check it out. Uh, Check out The Forgotten Podcast. That's the name, Forgotten Podcast, and you can find it there on any podcast platform. And I would encourage you to check it out. Super encouraging stories that will bless your Christian life. Before we jump into our interview, let's open up with a word of prayer. Dear Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity for me to record this episode. Thank you for the technology allowing us to do so. Use this episode to be a blessing, Father, that it will make the li- a difference in the lives of the Christians and those that will be listening to this episode, and that you just use it uh, to further your work. And in your Son's name, amen. Thank you, Brother Brown, for taking time out of your day to do this recording. I know it means a lot. I know we've had some technical difficulties, so I'm praying that it will stick through and we're able to finish recording the interview and those that are listening do bear with us we have had some technical difficulties so bear with us on the audio and things but well it's my pleasure my pleasure colton i've been looking forward to this and talking to you i really enjoy your podcast and what you're trying to do in encouraging preachers and and so i am i'm so excited to be with you thank you very much for inviting me yes sir thank you very much now we'll go ahead and jump into our interview here and just get into our questions so they can find out who you are and your ministry and different things, but how did you trust Christ as your Savior? How did you get saved? Well, um, I've been raised in church all my life um, in, in this region of, uh, grew up in Trenton, Georgia, so I've been raised in church all my life. I'd made a profession of faith when I was nine years old, uh, but immediately upon doing so, I, I knew that, that it was for the wrong reasons, um, and so I won't get into that that story as, as well, but uh, fast forward to when I was 21 years old, I had entered college after high school to play basketball. And once outside of the realm of my mom and dad's, um, bubble of responsibility, mm-hmm. uh, I went, I went wild and, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't long before I was spiraling into alcoholism and, and, uh, just, uh, it just became a mess. But when I was uh, 21 years old, um, I just turned 21 and of course went went a great step deeper in into a, a life of sin and drunkenness and um, while I was still in college my mother told me about this young girl who was 18 that had just gotten saved and you know for me I I really thought that you know religion and Christianity was just an, something old people did mm-hmm. um to you know, have something to do to impress each other with their clothes, you know, to just to have something to do on the weekend. They didn't know how to party. They didn't know how to have a good time. And so when she told me about this young lady that that God had radically changed her life, I was I was stunned because I knew my alcoholism was getting out of control. I, I knew that I was I was on my way and a pathway uh, for self destruction, really. And so I began to reflect upon, well, if God could do that for for a young person her age, you know, maybe God would uh, do that in my life. And so mm-hmm. at that point, this was my junior year in college, by that point, um, there were several things that came 
into play at that moment. It was that girl's testimony, and then my alcoholism was spiraling out of control. And then we were on a um, we were on a an away basketball game in Georgia. Um, we're playing Georgia Southwestern. We're staying in a hotel room. We lost the game. Uh, when we came back to the hotel, we just get our stuff and get out of here. And when I went into the room to grab my grab a few things from my from my hotel room, someone had laid a track on there. And you've probably seen it. It, it is a picture of Jesus on the cross, maybe lightning bolts in the background. You know, kind of a dramatic scene. And it said, "All this I did for thee." And I don't know why I picked that track up, but. I, and I knew its contents. That's the thing. I I, I knew uh, from my upbringing the contents of that. But that image and that question or that statement on the front uh, just really, um, you know, just jolted my heart. And so all of these things coming together, I'd gone home for a a weekend uh, for spring break, and I was on my way back from from Chattanooga to Southern Tech. And so as I'm driving in that car, uh, I'm recognizing the path my life was on and and you know I remember as I'm driving towards Atlanta looking on that city of Atlanta around Marietta and just realizing that you know I'm going to end up in a gutter somewhere in in Marietta if if something doesn't change in my life and taking that into consideration and what Christ had done for me you know, I can't. I couldn't tell you. I went to church when I was home on the weekend because I was in my parents' house. So that Sunday night, I had to have gone to church, and I was leaving from the evening service down to Southern Tech. I don't know what he, what was preached. I don't know what was said, but somewhere right around Barrett Parkway, uh, where the freeway kind of dips down around Barrett Parkway, just outside of Marietta. I, I called on the Lord. I, I didn't know the right, I, you know, I've been raised in church all my life. I should have known the prayer, but I didn't pray, a, 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 you know, God, I'm a sinner. And I, I just called on God. I said, God, I am a wreck. I am tired of guiding this life on my own. I am, I need your forgiveness. And I cast out a plea to God while driving down the road. And God, God did it. The, the transformation took place whatever you want to call it, born again and conversion, it seemed to rest in that car with me. And God, God radically changed my heart. I pulled into the, I pulled into the Southern Tech parking lot, just weeping, you know, a mess. And I was going upstairs. I was on the third floor in the dormitory. And as I'm going up, my buddy Clay Davis was coming down and, uh, you know, he, he was a six foot six, just a tall guy on the basketball team. I'm short stuff. And I, I basically, he's, he looked at me, he said, see, I've been crying. He said, Ronnie, what's wrong? Are you okay? And I grabbed him around the waist and I said, Clay, I got saved tonight. I got saved. And Clay wow. looked at me like I had a third eye. He's like, all right, just let me go. <laughs> but, uh, I went upstairs and, uh, called youth leaders, called, you know, called my, uh, uh, called my parents, called, uh. Uh, the youth leaders that I had just been so disrespectful to in that time. And, uh, you know, I, I failed God more times than I can count since then. But that marks a moment of change in my life uh, that uh, that I always go back to, uh, you know, that, that I, always, I always seem to believe that that is the moment in which I truly believed, I repented and believed the gospel that night. Amen. Uh, hearing that testimony, it's very clear and evident that the gospel still works. The Amen. gospel it does. can save anyone from any stage of life, no matter how deep in sin they may think they are. God can still save them, and it's just wonderful hearing that. 
Now, building off of the salvation testimony there, I know you've been a preacher for uh, several, quite a few years here. Now, how did you answer that call to preach in your life? How did that come about? Well, um, that girl that I talked about, uh, I ended up marrying, actually. Uh, <laughs> mom, mom was a great matchmaker, and we went through some difficulties. We, we were engaged for a while, broke it off, and, and ended up back together around 1997, 1998. In that time, just before then, uh, I had gotten plugged into a church where I was part of a navigator's type discipleship and really grew in the Lord. There were there was a long time after I was saved where I call it my wilderness wandering. I, I just uh, failed so many times back and forth. I was, you know, there, there's nothing more miserable than a Christian that that is <laughs> that is away from God, and it was one of the most miserable times of my life. Uh, things that I did before I never thought about and, and did with pleasure and fleshly, you know, excitement. But after being saved, trying to do those same things was miserable. And so I got plugged into this church where I began to grow as a believer and and God began to really uh, work in my heart and grow me to be able to say no to some things and to uh, and just really change, uh, you know, just set me on a path of growth. Well, around that time, like I said, I, I started talking back with someone that I'd broken up with, and we ended up getting engaged, and she lived in Chattanooga at the time, so uh, I moved back home out of the Atlanta area to uh, to get married, start a family in Chattanooga, and when I did so, I went back to the church that I was going to. My parents were still going to that church, Temple Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Now, this is not associated with Tennessee Temple. It is just T- Temple Baptist Church in Chattanooga, mm-hmm. and uh in that time, um, not long after we were married and a few years in, right around 2000, God began to breathe afresh in that church. And I cannot explain it. It was a brush with God. There was a reviving among God's people. And uh, God really did something in my pastor's heart in that time period that just God just breathed on that place. There were other young men that were surrendering the call to preach, and you'll often find that in times of revival, there will be a lot of a lot of people that a lot of young men that'll surrender to the call to preach. And about that time, my pastor started an evangelism program that really took off in our church, and he invited me. I'd been teaching the college age Sunday school class at the time. And that's a story in and of itself. You know, I, I didn't think myself a teacher, uh, but my pastor needed somebody. And so basically he handed me a Sunday school curriculum book and I would sit there and read the book in class and then look at the people and say, did you get that? Uh-huh. Did you get that? And then just kept reading. You know, I, I, I didn't fancy myself or think of myself as a as a teacher. But what I found is over time I began to, as I'm growing, and uh, I began to share and, and, and you know, kind of go a little bit further in trying to instruct and teach and felt more comfortable doing that. And about that time, we went into this evangelism program where I began to go uh, learn, you know, kind of learn an outline, get some things, you know, in my hand to to try to share my faith. And we began going door to door and I began to share my faith and got got comfortable actually doing so. And so it was about that time that God began to knock on my heart about, about, declaring his word about preaching and and a longing desire at that time I was playing guitar and doing things with the youth music and I thought well I'll just be a music guy you know that's you know and maybe that's part of this maybe God wants me to surrender to preach and then I can do my own thing I can do music ministry you know, that's what I like man I'm not a musician by any means where my passion was 
at the time. And, um, and so I thought, well, you know, it, God, God just kept burdening me. And we were doing the Experiencing God series. By then, we'd moved into doing the Henry Blackaby's Experiencing God in Sunday school class. And I, uh, you know, in that it, it comes to that moment of uh, the crisis of belief and, and, and just a wonderful series. And God really cornered me. And I remembered something, you know, uh, we had studied numbers before then and, 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 and things begin to come back from that. And I remember there was a time when I was, I was studying that experiencing God and I'd been arguing with God about, I'm not, I'm not like brother Ken, my pastor. I'm not like the youth. I can't speak like that. I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't knowledgeable enough. Those guys, they know, you know, a lot more than me. I can't do this. And and you know I'm nervous in front of people. I can't imagine standing in front of a crowd. I'd, I'd stutter my way. You know, I just no way I could do this. And 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 then right there in that bedroom, I'm sitting there. I'm studying that, experiencing God. And the question, you know, just came big in my heart: Are you willing to trade what God could do with you in the future because you have a hang up now, being being afraid and not trusting me, uh, in standing in front of a few people? And it was in that room. I just really broke down. I said, no, you know, no, I'm not willing to trade. I will trust you that you know what you're doing. And so I announced my call to preach my pastor. And it was funny. I, I sat in the office and I was talking to my pastor and I said, I think God's called me to preach, you know, and, and, uh, I, you know, I, I, I really believe that God's called me to preach. And he was like, praise the Lord. That's great. That's good news. You know? And I said, you know, and, and, you know, it, it, it just wouldn't be a stretch. It'd be a great honor to be on your staff. You know, I thought, I'm thought immediately I'm going to, this is what God wants. I'm going to be on the staff there at, at, at temple. You know, that's, that, that's yeah. the next step. And he was like, well, you know, we'll, we'll see about that, you know, and that never never developed but i just thought the audacity of me oh, i can be on staff now you know um and so um it wasn't long until he's like you know that's the way he did preacher boys he's like you know if you're called to preach then you need to preach and so it wasn't like two or three weeks later that he threw me out on a wednesday night and to preach and um about this time too, also I, I didn't I didn't mention this, but about this time too, I was having all in this argument with God about whether He would call me or whether I would do that. I had some serious physical physical problems. I mean, I, my we believe my my we believe I had a stroke at that time, and that's a, that's a wow. great story. Um, I got real sick one night, <clears throat> very sick, and uh, you know thought it was maybe food poisoning or whatever, and. You know, just got up and went to work the next day, and and but after that, I noticed like my left hand went completely immobile, like I couldn't move my left hand. Wow. I, my left uh, leg began to give out on me, and 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 when I was called to preach, that first message, my vocal, my vocal cords just went out. I I can I can play that message. It's just like I'm a squeak the whole time. I can barely I could barely speak like my. I, my my voice went out. My hands and my leg give me some problems. We didn't know till years later. I still had vocal cord problems. I had an MRI done on my on my uh, for my throat to get a ear, nose, and throat doctor to look at my throat. And uh, he's like, he's looking at the MRI. He's like, "Have you ever had a stroke?" And I'm like, "Well, no." He's like, "Well, according to this, you have." And then he just kind of went on, you know, with what he's doing. So I, I joke with my wife all the time that, you know, I had a stroke at night and she made me get up and go to work the next day. So, but in that message that I preach on August the 18th, I think it was 2001, I preached on, he's more than enough. 
And Christ is more than enough for all of my needs. And so my eternal needs, my um, temporal needs, he's more than enough. And so anyway, that's probably more than you wanted to know about about my call to preach. But it was a wonderful time. And I thought I'd preach one message. I thought, man, that's over. Now I can play my guitar and sing my little song and I'll be okay. Well, um, one of the deacons of the church said, well, now that you're called to preach, you can join us and pick a month and you go down to the rescue mission. I was avoiding him because I knew this was coming. I didn't want to preach about homeless people. People, homeless people scare me, man. I, I don't know that I could, I don't know that I could do that. What are they going to, they, they're going to scream at me. What? And so I didn't want to be a coward. So I said, sure. Yeah. Put me down for, you know, January or February or whatever. And I went and I preached that first time there and God helped me so much as I preached to those homeless men there. And it was, again, occasion where I felt, well, that'll be the last time I'll do that. And next thing I know, the chaplain is the, uh, for the, the, the uh, organizes the preachers down at Channing Rescue Mission. He called me. He's like, you know, how would you like to come every month and preach? And I told God, you know, early on that if if an invitation came for me to preach I'd never say no and so I said uh, you know I said yeah so month after month I started preaching there and the whole thing about me playing music ministry just faded because I fell in love with preaching God's word and studying God's word and declaring God's word and uh, I had a you know a monthly spot at the rescue mission and then you know after that, I had a conversation, I think, with my pastor about me. I want to preach more. He's like, well, you need to go find every place that you possibly can and 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 go and preach. And about that time, I'm listening to some Jack Hiles tapes. And I remember a, a, a moment in one of his messages where he said, some of you young men are, are waiting uh, for the opportunity to preach and waiting for doors to open. You need to kick a few doors in. And so I went, I went to the I went to the nursing home. Uh, God opened the opportunity at the at the jail, local county jails, and so I'm preaching like a crazy man, and 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 so, and that's that's kind of the that's kind of the whole gamut of what happened when when uh, God called me to preach. Man, that is wonderful. That's kind of neat. Hey, you see God open those doors, and you get a chance to preach once, and then again, and then again, and again, and again, and again. And God begins to change those desires from music oh, yes. to loving preaching and wanting to preach even more than that. That was the most mysterious thing in the world. I. I Man, I wanted to play guitar and sing, you know, and and uh, and and that, then all that faded out. And I would take my guitar and play it, you know, where I would go preach, you know, uh, for mm. a long time. You know, I would take it with me and sing a song or whatever and play guitar. But but my heart's desire was to was to preach, and I I, mm. I it, it's a completely one eighty. I did not want to do that when he called me to preach. I did not want to stay there. I thought, well, I'll preach every now and then, maybe you know, maybe once or twice or whatever. And I couldn't get enough. I could not get enough of of declaring God's word. And I didn't see a I didn't see people saved for a very long time. You know, when you first call to preach, I think the easy part is taking off. The easy part is flying around, you know, and doing your thing. Mm-hmm. But the hardest part is landing. And I had such a difficult time of trying to hone in how to extend the invitation, tie my thoughts together into a cohesive call to repentance and belief in Christ. And so through those years, God really honed those. And and I encourage, like, I hope you got it. I don't know if your audience is a lot of young preachers or whatever, but mm-hmm. I encourage them, do not overlook the opportunity to minister in to the homeless, at the jail, 
at the nursing home. These are places that are open to young preachers. They need them. They want them there. You're not going to get into the First Baptist Church down the road. You're not going to get into, uh, you think all your friend, pastor friends are going to ask you to come and preach, and more than likely they won't for a while. But if you'll get in these places, God might give you a heart for it. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, God will God will hone you and train you and develop in you uh, you know, the, the, the necessary qualities of being able to communicate clearly, cohesively, and be able to call them to repentance. And, and that's not to negate the Holy Spirit's work in people's hearts. But again, there is something on, on the preacher's side of being coherent, understandable, you know, to, you know, to be able to, you know, like you take Paul's message in Acts 17, you know, he's bringing, he has a thought process. He has a a way in which he takes the world and brings it to Christ and brings it to the gospel. And, and uh, there, there's a cohesion to what we do in preaching. Okay, so building off of that, you know, the answer to the call to preach and then getting saved and, you know, God opening opportunities for you to preach places and things. But where all have you served at in ministry? Maybe like what churches you've served at, roles at those places and pastorates and things like that so we can know where you've been at biographically speaking. Okay, so um, I, um, one, educationally, I, I went um, – I had a degree in engineering from Southern Polytechnic State University, so I had that kind of out of the way. My pastor told me you need to go to you need to go to Knight Bible School. And there's a Covington Theological Seminary here in Fort Oglethorpe. That's where all the preacher boys were going, and so I did that. But it was kind of a thing where my wife said, "You either go to school or you preach." You know, at the jail and the mm-hmm. rescue mission, whatever. You got to make a choice because you can't do both and be a dad and a husband. And it was true. So I kind of choked back on some things. I went to seminary for one year, and I said, this is not for me. And so mm-hmm. I got my my degree in Bible, you know, from for one year because I had all the credits, you know, all the educational stuff. So it was just really a few classes, and I had a degree in Bible or whatever. So I, that was it for me for school. So as far as um, as far as ministry goes, I preached in jails and rescue missions as a part of Anchored in the Rock prison ministry here, a local grassroots prison ministry uh, here in this area around Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2007, um, I you know I believe that God called me to what at the time was Gethsemane Baptist Church in Rossville, Georgia. I pastored that church from 2007 to 2017 around. 2013-2014, we had a kind of a reorganization uh, of the church. Um, I felt led that God wanted to change maybe our identity with the community about who we were, and uh, there was some uh, there was some baggage that I think that uh, the church carried that I didn't really know about that kind of came to fore, and uh, so about 2013 we we reorganized the church and into Bethany Baptist Church, and then. I believe that God called me away from that church in 2017. And from there, I uh, joined uh, Lookout Valley Baptist Church, where Troy Wallacer was my pastor. And it wasn't long I was in that church that uh, I began to be a part of the leadership there as far as the elders. It is an elder-led congregation, and so I really learned something about uh, elder-type ministry there at Lookout Valley. Um, last year in 2020, uh, there was a church here on Sand Mountain called Faith Community Church uh, that was uh, that contacted me uh, that uh, did not have um, 
they they contacted me through a friend of mine in the ministry. Um, did not have a pastor. They had been decimated as far as COVID is concerned. They were running about maybe 30 or 40 in the spring when COVID hit. But when COVID hit, the church really wasn't prepared. You know, who who was, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it lost a lot of families and, and uh, you know, and a lot of people either just quit coming to church or, you know, found another church or whatever. And around summer of 2020, the pastor resigned. So they were without... They were without a pastor and a handful of people, and so um, they asked me to come preach, and I filled the pulpit for several months, and I really feel like God uh, God, God has called me there. Um, we knew when we were at, at Lookout Valley for a couple of years, we realized that, you know, we really can't sit on a pew and not be in the pastor. There are, there are so many, t- and, I, and I kept having people call me, you know, we're, we're without a pastor, you know, can you you know, can you, can you come and help, you know, or would you be willing to pastor? And at that time I was doing some healing from, uh, uh, from my time at Gethsemane slash Bethany. And uh, just, I was just tired. Uh, You know, we can go into that a little bit later when we talk about bivocational ministry, but I, um, and so what we realized a couple of years in that we cannot sit on a pew and not lead in a capacity when there is so much need for pastors right now. So many of them are discouraged. They're, they're dropping out. And so we feel like God called us to, you know, to this community, to my hometown. It's not too far uh, from where we live now. And, and so we're ministering there. I'm at uh, faith community church. They voted me into the pastor around January. And so uh, we, we kind of reorganized the church as far as we didn't change the name, but, you know, set some things down, our doctrinal statement and, and uh, church procedures and the things, how we'll handle different things at the church. And so we're just uh, trucking along there and, and uh, asking God to rebuild the work. Um, we've recently just started meeting again on Wednesday night that we're just meeting on Sunday. We've, we've kind of gotten into a, a, a Wednesday night meeting, a very close, like almost discipleship type of Mm-hmm. of dynamic and God, it was so special this past Wednesday. We really talked about the past of the church and the, the desire to see what God, what God did then to do now and mm-hmm. really have an impact on the community. So I'm at faith community church in Trenton, Georgia right now. Well, amen. That's wonderful there. And uh, something, you know, you mentioned there, I know you've been in bivocational ministry, meaning you've been working a job out in the field day to day and then being a pastor at the same time and serving in a ministry capacity in that way. And what would you say maybe is a spiritual blessing or spiritual lesson God has taught you while doing bivocational ministry? And then why would you recommend someone going into ministry to be bivocational? Okay, number one, I would never recommend someone to go into bivocational ministry. <laughs> if you can be full-time, do it. Mm-hmm. You know? um, it is, but listen, my heart you know, is not only for preaching, and but my heart is to really talk to people about bivocational ministry because I believe if the Lord tarries his coming and as the economy develops as it does and the hearts of people become more cold and the church, I mean, I pray for revival and I pray that God would sweep through this nation. He has done it in the past in dark times, brought a fresh wind of revival. I do not discount that. But as we have seen churches close, ministries uh, contract, uh, the laws of the land become 
clamp tighter on religious liberty, you're going to see a contraction in churches. And with that uh, comes, they're just less funds. Life in America, just a middle income uh, life in America has become so expensive and, and people's hearts are not in a place of giving and supporting ministries. As a matter of fact, people see church more as just an ugly wart on society that needs to go away. Um, there's going to be less giving. And so the reality is ministry in the future is going to be more and more bivocational. It's just a fact. It's just going to be there. Also, uh, young young people coming out of Bible college are going to come out with a lot of uh, you know, the reality is a lot of debt, a lot of school debt, uh, you mm-hmm. know, families, they, they've got to make a living. And it's just not it's just not feasible in a church of 20 to 30 to 40 that you find dotted all over this region. Now, I'm 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 in an envelope. I'm in a bubble because all I know is the Chattanooga area. There are there are churches everywhere. There are chapels everywhere. And so that, you know, and they're they're not mega capacity. You're talking about small churches that have a top capacity of maybe 200, maybe 250 uh, in most of the smaller chapel type churches that are in this area that have dwindled down to 30, 40 people, 100 or less. You know, the rule of thumb is, is if you don't have a church that is of at least 100 people, you're, you're not, you know, you're not ready for uh, full-time ministry there. Mm -hmm. That's the rule of thumb. That's what I've always heard. And so, it's just the reality of this day and time. Now, there are there are downsides and there are plus sides to bivocational ministry. Downsides is you're going to have to really, if you're going to have a family and do this, you're going to have to balance your time. Uh, your 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 marriage and your home life is is the first priority, and so that means changing the dynamic of how you do church or not necessarily well maybe not not how but the times you meet in church may have to change in that 10-year period where I was preaching at, at Bethany and Gethsemane Baptist Church I was preaching Sunday morning Sunday night and Wednesday night and when I do that I am of uh, of a um, of a you know my pastor let's put it this way my pastor Ken Trivet he did full text mm-hmm. sermons he he, you know, he he put everything together prior to Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, full text messages. So that's the stripe I came from is, first of all, I started out handwriting stuff and full text. You know, I'm spending hours and hours and hours mm-hmm. doing that. It doesn't come easy to me. And I'm not the type, you know, to have an idea and then take that to the pulpit and just uh, do a verbal puke on the congregation of, of, uh, you know, I, I want to, t- I want to study what, I what, I'm where I'm at. I'm, I'm going to study. I'm going to pick apart a text. I'm going to make application. I'm going to think these things through and it just doesn't, it's not quick for me. And so that's one of the downsides. It is, it is time intensive. You may want to think about how, you know, that Wednesday night, like I, I intentionally that Wednesday night we met at faith community. I am trying to do something that is less intensive, but is more intimate. We're just going to read, you know, read through several passages. I'm going to study the text, but I'm not going to put all my ideas and all my thoughts on the paper. And I'm just going to, we're just going to talk about the text. And then 
and talk about the scriptures and 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 do application that way. So it's really boiled down. I'm not I'm not putting together, you know, a full text 2,500, you know, word message uh, for a 30 to 40 minute uh, minute delivery. And so those are some things to consider. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that are it, it is time intensive. It's hard on your marriage. It's hard on your kids. You need to be available because sometimes yeah. when you are available in Bible vocation ministry, you're so tired. You're so give out. You're so mentally spent that you just want to kind of edge, and that's that's not active in in marriage and and uh, in parenting. So that is a that is a downside to it. A plus side is is that nobody put it this way: nobody can reach in and and have a grip on the livelihood of your of your life, your 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 home life you know, the putting food on the table, nobody has a grip on that. And I've, I've heard horror stories where, you know, congregation is not right with God and, and adamant against, you know, what, what they've, what they've, they voted in, they've, they've asked to come and preach and they, and, you know, kill their income, basically starve them to death. There's nothing, nobody pulls my pocket string, so to speak, in bivocational ministry. There's a certain liberty in that. There is a certain freedom in which I can, you know, if um, if it comes down to it, I can shake the dust off my feet and not miss a lick, you know, uh, in, a, in, a, in another place. Now, that's not an excuse to abandon a work on a whim, but at the same time, there's a certain liberty about that, that I don't have to worry about Mr. Big, Big Pockets in the back corner offending him. And it having an effect on my family's, you know, m- you know, m- my livelihood of my of my family. There's something to be said about that, you know, bivocational ministry. I mean, to be honest, if you're in bivocational ministry, uh, then you're not in it for the money. <laughs> you're not in it for the livelihood. You're in it for the gospel of Jesus Christ. You believe uh, that that it is that you you know you believe in the God's call on your life, and no matter what state you are. So there's a certain a certain um, helpfulness and encouragement in that. I'm not in this for the money. I'm in this because God's called me, because I love Jesus, because I want people to know the Lord Jesus, because I Amen. want people to grow in in the seed of the church grow and see God call missionaries and call preachers and do things, put marriages back together, put homes back together, reclaim lives. You're in it for that. And I and not not and that's not to say that full time ministry uh, people do not have that, but there is, there is something to be said about, man, I'm, I'm in this, not for, not for the money and not for the position. I, I'm in this for the long haul because I believe the gospel because I believe God called me. And so there's a certain, certain encouragement about that. Yes, sir, for sure. And if you're listening to this and you know, you're about to graduate Bible college or you just answered the call to preach, you know, you're in your twenties or thirties or whatever. You know, there's a big possibility that bivocational ministry is something you're going to have to consider, something that may be a part of your life. And hopefully you'll take these principles that he gave you here and just apply them to your life and just use it in your life to uh, make a difference. And that you'll just look at it here as a bivocational way and just look at it here and apply it to your life. 